Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Introducing the SND Podcast channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at SND Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at SNDPodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for a podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast now. Rising Report, it's that Apple Report, it's the Rising Apple Report. Rising Report, it's that Apple Report, it's the Rising Apple Report. Yeah! Hello! to all you Cespian folks. This is the converted Met fan Sam Maxwell, and you are here on a very, very special Johannes Cespedes edition of the Rising Apple Report. Uh, uh, I'm going to immediately bring on uh, what I am happy to announce is the new co-editor of RisingApple.com, and that is JT Turan. JT, what is going How's on? Going? Isn't this a happy, happy occasion? This has been a, a pretty great week so far. I mean, it's only... It's only Tuesday, I think. Yeah, it's Tuesday. I get my, my days mixed up. But so far, it's been a pretty good week. I started, um, you know, as uh, joining the editing team now with Michelle. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And now we get the UNS Cespedes news signing back on with the Mets. So, so far, it's been a pretty good week. And we're hoping to uh, keep that train going for the rest of the week. I'm going to go ahead and say it's been a pretty good year and a half for the New York Mets. Since Cespedes came aboard, it's basically been about a year and a half. Uh, with this team, and I, I think uh, you know, I, I you could even say I was I was almost over exaggerating how important this was last year. When uh, unlike this year, uh, it was cold. There was a blizzard outside, ten inches of snow on the ground, and it was uh, a cesspitus for the rest of us, if you will. Uh, we 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 had quite the celebration on on air and uh, with whoever was listening. It was uh, quite fantastic and quite a fantastic podcast for the uh, the Rising Apple Report. And um, this year, uh, what I think I'm most looking forward to is the fact that uh, we're not going to have to worry about this next year, JT. Yeah, that's probably the biggest um, part. I mean, you, you got to look at the fact that Sandy Alderson, and you got to give credit to him and his uh, his staff for just being able to put together this this plan for not panicking. They were playing it slow from the beginning. We heard them talk about how they were just going to let things play out little by little. And that, you know, you could sense, you could take the pulse of Mets Nation per se. And and there was a lot of worry that maybe Cespedes would not be coming back. But 
again, you got to give them credit. They knew how to play it. They knew how to read both Ioannis and his agent. So, you know, at the end of the day, they got the job done. So one of the most important things is you're not going to have to worry about that for the next few years. You can start building and plugging in places. The Mets are built to win right now. The Mets are built to win in 2017. They're built to win in 2018. So they did what they had to do. They did what they had to do, and uh, it, it's going to be an exciting time. Um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you a question. I totally, bl- I'm totally blanking on it. But um, where for you, where do you, where do you go from here? Then, well, let's start right there. Then. So now that we have we have Cespedes locked down, uh, Neil Walker has obviously already accepted his qualifying offer. I think the next major piece has to come from the bullpen. Um, and you're also going to have to look at being able to maybe clear some outfield space. So maybe the two can correspond. Um, we had a great piece written uh, by Rich on RisingApple.com that, uh, talking about the, the White Sox and maybe how they could potentially be a, a trade partner for the Mets. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of different teams out there that are calling. Uh, the Blue Jays are another one that are looking into maybe trading for Jay Bruce. But the White Sox is is, is they're an interesting team because Dave Robertson, David Robertson, he's their closer, and the White Sox really kind of don't have anybody on the outfield right now. They're a little bit of a mess. So Rich pointed out how it would kind of benefit both sides. The Mets need bullpen help. The White Sox could use an outfielder. So I think that that may be the next play that we see um, Sandy Alderson and his staff go for either clearing out the outfield and bringing something something in or the bullpen. And honestly, signing somebody from the free agent market in the bullpen right now, I think, is not... It's going to cost way too much. So since you have a surplus in the outfield, you might as well use it to to be able to get you some of those pieces in the bullpen. And when I think Jay Bruce, I, I think he kind of he kind of fits exactly what I see a White Sox being. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that even means in some fashion, but I think you know what I mean. But he's he's more of a, he's more of a relaxed player. I think I think that type of an environment and a team like the White Sox would probably benefit him more. I mean, we saw him; he struggled heavily uh, up until the last couple of games, the last few games with the Mets. He he struggled at City Field. So obviously, it's a very small sample size. You're only going to have a couple months to really look at what Jay Bruce could bring. I I tend to think that he benefited more from not only. Cincinnati's, you know, uh, the Great American Launching Pad, as they call it, um, not only a smaller stadium, but he also had, you know, some amazing players hitting in front of him, especially Joey Votto too, being being hitting right in front of him and setting setting him up. So, I think he felt that difference and change with the Mets. Uh, so, would he? I completely understand what you say when you say that he would be a good fit for the White Sox because I feel like he would be more comfortable in a lesser uh, uh, obnoxious city like New York can be for you know certain well, players. I'm going to take it from it. I'm going to take it from where from there actually uh, because it's an interesting digression to go off real quick. Um, I think that uh, pressure in Chicago for the entire spectrum of baseball has been stripped down and uh, obviously the White Sox did it first, but now the Cubs have done it. The Cubs were probably, I would say, the highest, uh, very, very similar, like in Mets angst, except they had, they, they had a little bit more to actually lean on when you think about it. The, the way I like to say it is that, yeah, the Cubs or 
many other teams might have suffered longer than the Mets, but the Mets have squished that kind of devastation into a smaller time period. Uh, yes. <laughs> but when you look at it right now, um, obviously there's, there's probably always going to be pressure uh, uh, on teams like, like a big city like Chicago. But what do you think is the difference between the pressure that comes, that, that fans and the media put on the New York Mets to perform, and to an extent, obviously, the Yankees, especially considering the, the, the quote-unquote high expectations, if you will. Uh, what do you think is the biggest difference? Why do you think when, at least for, for you, you look over there and perceive that there's probably going to be less of a distraction of that t- type of magnitude uh, for, for a team like Chicago White Sox? Mainly, mainly because they're, they're in a rebuilding mode right now. They're not in a win-now scenario, so... I feel like maybe those types of situations bring out more pressure because you're going to be in more pressure when you're going to be in a pennant race year in and year out. Um, The White Sox are in a terribly tough division with the Tigers, um, the Indians, and the Royals, obviously. So I I don't necessarily think that they're going to be uh, expected to win. And sometimes the lack of expectations takes the pressure off of you and you're able to perform a little bit better. And again, that, that can be mirrored to how Cincinnati was for Jay Bruce as well. And, you know, a great baseball town, but at the same time, a baseball town that shared a division with the Cubs, with the Cardinals, uh, two teams that were just constantly bashing on them. So the expectations just weren't there. And sometimes it's a little bit easier to perform when you, have, um, when you don't have as much pressure, especially if you're the type of player that maybe can't perform under that type of scrutiny. Yeah, and, and I think that Bruce finally came around to it. I really loved his interview with Steve Gelbs after uh, they clinched the wild card. And um, I think he impressed me a little bit more than any other interview up to that point. I thought he was well composed and, and seemed to, to handle it. Um, and plus, he had just finished a week of absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. But mm-hmm. clearly, uh, if there's any direction I could see them going, I think that's. I, I just I think Curtis Granderson, even though he can be worse than Bruce during certain stretches, uh, uh, you know they're both very streaky players. But there's something about Curtis Granderson that just spells out winning and spells out. Uh, a proper representation of who your club wants to be. Not not taking anything away uh, from Jay Bruce a, a, as a human being, or, or, or you know, in the way he presents himself uh, for the club. But but Curtis Granderson brings more to the table than just being able to launch it in September. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, and, and just win. He he's just he's a good ambassador. Yeah, and sorry to cut you off, Sam, but one of the one of the main reasons why I think the Mets will ultimately end up keeping Granderson is that he can play center field. Um, if you were to ship uh, Granderson out, then you would have to go with uh, Lagares in center field, but then you wouldn't be able to put Conforto in. And the Mets have already talked about putting Conforto in center field. And I personally don't feel as confident. Conforto's a great player. He has not given me um, any reason to doubt his abilities in center field. And when he's played it, he's, he's done what needs, to, what needs to happen. But Curtis Granderson is a center fielder. He he played that position for for years, and obviously, you know, with Yoannis coming over when Yoannis was playing center field, he had to move over to right. He's just been able to adjust so much. He's versatile in the outfield. I wouldn't even be surprised if 
you know, you needed for some random reason to have Curtis Granderson play left field, and he'd be able to do it without without complaining and just you know going right down to it. So while he is a very streaky player, he was in the two hundreds for most of the season after he started uh, just ridiculously cold to start the season. He was there in twenty fifteen. You know, we saw him hit those home runs in the World Series. We saw what he did in the postseason. We saw how he played against the Cubs in the NLCS when he had those clutch doubles and the you know clutch at bats. So, it, it if I were to, it, I would take a lower batting average and on base percentage Curtis Granderson in a tough spot versus a higher average Jay Bruce because he's already shown us he can do it in New York. So. You know, it might be a little bit biased in that sense, but I would personally take and him. And I think that's two, why two New York teams. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think from there we're going to bring on somebody who is very familiar with the podcast, but not on a SoundCloud S and D podcast level. And uh, that is Long Island Mike, as we uh, so lovingly refer to him as, and he's joining us here on the Rising Opera Report to celebrate Johanna Cespedes is coming back to the New York Mets, Mike. What is going on? Nothing much, you. Oh, well, where do you want to begin, man? I can't believe, actually, the Wilpons opened up their pockets to give Cespedes so much money. You are, you weren't expecting to sign him? No. I was expecting the Nationals, <laughs> too. You really were expecting well, the Nationals. Ever the pessimist, though, because every time that he says, Edward, this team is going nowhere, Johannes Cespedes is going to the Nationals. Look what happens, Mike. I know, maybe I just have to say pessimistic stuff or optimistic stuff to happen. <laughs> so, so hey, I don't mind that thinking. I don't, I don't mind it at all. Uh, you know, even though it's, it's, you know, the sky is falling, but you are a weatherman, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so Mike, where, where do you go from here now? So, so uh, give us your thoughts on not only the signing, but, uh, but where the team goes from there. Well, the signing, I love the signing. Great contract. Not overpaid for him at all. We kept him from going to the Nationals. Now I would want to see us trade Michael Conforto. Whoa. You want to see them I trade think... Michael Conforto. Okay, so here's I... my... I was talking about this earlier. Um, isn't he at his lowest value? Can't you definitely, most certainly, get better value back? Or are you still selling on the idea that Michael Conforto hasn't hit his limit yet? He's still... Most teams, in my opinion, are selling that he hasn't hit his limit yet. Because you saw what he did in his first season and then the first month of the season until he faced Mad Bum and then went downhill from there. So, yeah. obviously, something happened there. Yeah. Uh, JT, what do you think about everything about that? Well, honestly, I, 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 do, I personally don't think Conforto has hit his, his ceiling yet. Um, I think he was mishandled just in terms of shielding him from left-handed pitching. I don't think that was a great idea. And like um, like Mike just mentioned, having him face a lefty in Madison Bumgarner, it, it, like that, it just it doesn't make sense. Like you were protecting him all of 2015, and you were still protecting him kind of in 2016 because it wasn't like he was getting every single start. And then all of a sudden, you let him start against Madison Bumgarner. And he, he yeah, struggles. It's funny, you know, it's funny that you're saying that because I'm watching, uh, uh, to, to mention this to everybody else, uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I started having uh, Johanna Cespedes highlights uh, for, from 2016 on. And that has traveled into 
every New York Met home run, which is a record, 218, from 2016. Right when you said that, Michael Conforto, right when you said that about Matt, Matt Bum, Michael Conforto hit whatever number that home run was of the 218 off of, off of uh, uh, Kane. Off of how am I for oh, Matt King? Mm-hmm. I was forgetting his first yep. name for a second, and that was the game before it. So continue, JT. Yeah. So pretty much the idea that he and, and the thing is, I feel like Michael Conforto has some some psyche issues too when it comes to just maybe getting down on himself. He reminds me a lot of in a less um, demonstrative form of John Maine. John Maine was an exaggerated version. Like, he would just get down on himself so much that oh. it was ridiculous and was annoying, right? But I feel like maybe Conforto does the same thing because this kid, I mean, you think about it, all these kids that come up, they are the best or near the best of every single level they've ever been at. And then all of a sudden, you get to the major leagues and it humbles you. It, 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 like, in your sophomore, that's why they call it a sophomore slump on top of everything, too, because sometimes you have amazing success that first year and then the game humbles you. Yeah, it brings Hort. you down. <laughs> exactly. That's. I mean, that's probably one of the greatest examples, if not the greatest although, example. Although he had a, a junior swoon, or, or what's it called, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I, honestly, if, if we were to trade Michael Conforto, I feel like he would be the a greater version of Justin Turner. Like, he would come back to, like, haunt us, and we'd be like, what the fuck? Why did we do this? What happened? Like, that would... Somebody would teach him how to adjust his swing in a certain way that all of a sudden he's hitting everything and everywhere. Because the kid has talent. That swing that he has, it's a level swing. Pitch selection has been his problem and will continue to be his problem if he can't learn to lay off of just bad pitches and just swing at what he's supposed to. So... I'm hopeful they don't trade him away, but again, the outfield is crowded, so if the offer makes sense, who knows? They could blow Sandy away, and he could say no, you know? Yeah, um, I think it's still the most realistic that uh, he's going to figure out a deal for Bruce. Um, Same. Yeah. Uh, but May I, I, I go back to, s- to JT's comment? On yeah, yeah, go ahead. Conforto? Go ahead. Uh, he said he likes his swing. I hate his swing. Really? I hate it. You don't think it's you? you, you what didn't you like about it? He you, drops his back he shoulder them, every he time. He wants them to trade Matt, Matt Harvey this year. <laughs> oh yeah, mm, yeah. He'll be gone um, by the trade deadline. <laughs> oh Kizelman, man, Kizelman, get ready, get ready, Kizelman. <laughs> um, I, I just and spe- speaking of speaking of uh, Mets starting pitchers, I, I just want to make this point uh, because on the screen of the 218 home runs of 2016 was Bartolo Colon's home run. And I want to make this yes. point that Michael Kadair had to sacrifice his Mets career for Johannes Suspedes to get signed. And then another old man the next year, Bartolo Colon, you could say, had to uh, had to <laughs> sacrifice his Mets career so Johannes Suspedes could get signed. So that that's that's the only yeah, that's my point. <laughs> that's a great comparison, Sam. I, honestly, I had not, I had not made that connection. That's a great, great connection. Now, mind Fantastic. you, mind you, um, Michael Kadair at age mind thirty-six is retired. Right? Was a lot o- older than a forty-four-year-old Bartolo Colon. Yeah. What's it? Bartolo Colon is the fountain of youth. <laughs> he incarnate. I wouldn't even be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, hopefully, knock on wood. The Mets starters have troubles. If the Braves end up trading Bartolo 
and Kelly Johnson to the Mets again <laughs> for another player. I would that wouldn't even surprise me. <laughs> well, is is. I think the first thing uh, Alderson should be doing right now is signing Kelly Johnson now that he's short up. Just get it over with, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. May I comment on that, actually? Yeah, go ahead. I think we should save our money and sign a big bullpen guy like Chapman. Four years, $60 million. I don't think that's going to happen, but JT, go ahead. I, I doubt that's, that's going to happen either. I mean, we're going to need a closer if Familia, which, again... Just thinking about his idiocy makes me makes me angry. But odds are he's going to get suspended in some form, one way or another. So the Mets are going to have to figure out what to do. That's why, you know, the the earlier trade with the White Sox is is something that I like and is something that I could see, you know, happening because they're going to need a closer for the time being. I wouldn't mind seeing Addison Reed in that role either. The guy has been completely and totally lights out since he since he joined the Mets. So. It would be completely fair to give him, um, uh, excuse me, a shot at the at the closer role, but at the same time, I'm you know then who takes his place as the, as the eighth inning well, guy? Um, so we're gonna. We were talking, uh, Rich and I, uh, Rich Sparago of Rising Apple and I were talking last week uh, about basically what you need to do is go after that seventh inning guy, whoever's on the market. And um, most likely, you're going to be basement shopping. And we were uh, talking about names like he, he really appreciated the job Fernando Salas did, and he thought he would be a good fit. Um, Joaquin Benoit, which is a very similar uh, thing to Fernando Salas, because he was traded. He, he was having a miserable year and then got traded and was lights out for uh, Seattle. Um, I think it was Seattle. Um, no, I think it was the Dodgers, actually. might have been the Dodgers. But um, Kelly Jansen is another name that's out there, too. He's probably right, be but, but those as well. are yeah. We're we're talking we're talking high end closers. Chapman mm-hmm. obviously being the number one on that that list. Uh, but what would you do? Okay, so I know you just said Chapman, but in the if if we're uh, Mike, if we're looking at it like Chapman is not a, a, a realistic option for the New York Mets, and they they don't even you know they they don't want to become. I think I think right now is the last time you sign. You know, from a PR standpoint, we got to discuss it like this as well. That you have Jose Reyes already on the team. You're as familiar, just had his incident. You, you really think the New York Mets are going to be signing a role to Chapman right about now? Well, I hope so, but no. So, if so who I would want... you sign? So, so where, what direction would you go right now? I would keep the bullpen we have, honestly. If Because if. Sandy and the Wilpons don't want to open their pockets more when we have like thirty the forty more million to spend this off season. There's an issue there when you can get one of the top closers now, now in I, the league. I know that there's a lot of uh, trouble signs for your uh, for Uris. I think he's going to bounce back fine. But obviously, just this past season, even though he broke Mets records, uh, I, I still think that um, and major league records, I believe, uh, or. or or he, he, he got into the, the precipice of some of the most elite closers of all time this past season. But there were some trouble signs that he's not approaching the opening of the inning properly, both uh, when he was in a closing situation and especially in tie-game situations, especially that last uh, game against the Giants. Um, we don't talk about that one. We don't talk right, about that. Right, but I think, I think it was, it was uh, a very... 
you know, exemplified his trouble at the beginning of innings because he was he was in 2015 the closer the Met fan had always wanted, you know, where he was just getting through innings so cleanly. And then all of a sudden this year, he was every closer, every elite closer the Mets have ever had who puts themselves in trouble and then gets out of it. Um, I, I, I think that uh, just, I, I, I guess my point being is, do you want to give up, you know, this known quantity that you've had in your organization for a very long time at this point uh, to all of a sudden say, we don't trust you? Here's four years, sixty million to somebody who's probably politically, from, from a political standpoint, from from the the way all those 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 type of uh, 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 thought processes goes with this kind of stuff is going to be your closer for the next four years. Yeah, uh, familiar gave me heart attacks all the time, and it's getting bad for my blood pressure now. Whenever You're I see seventeen that game, or whatever you are now. I'm turning 16 on Friday. I'm Maybe you just need to not go to McDonald's. Maybe that. I, listen, I, don't, I, don't, know McDonald's what, I don't know. I don't know where you eat. So th- that was obviously uh, very presumptuous on my part. But I'm just saying. <laughs> Sam is getting personal now. Sam is getting personal. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. <laughs> no, Mike. Can I just can I just uh, interrupt real quick before? Yeah, go ahead. Um, one one of the things that I think is just uh, I, the point that Sam makes is 100 percent accurate. Uh, if you're going to go out and sign a, a reliever because your reliever was just, um, you know, accused of domestic violence, was arrested, and is likely to get suspended because of that, the odds of you going to sign another reliever who went through the same exact ordeal is probably not the smartest thing uh, to do in general. But, and that's um, why maybe but I also don't think more sense. But anyway, go ahead, J- JT. But, but, but I also don't think it makes sense money-wise. Even if you had... Even if you had the, uh, you know, none of those issues aside, a guy like Henley Jansen, I don't, uh, is going to command so much money too. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets close to what Chapman is going to make as well. Um, that it just it, it it puts a strain on anything else that you can do beyond that. And, and let's um, be honest, where have the Dodgers and the Yankees been? If if the Mets exactly. were more like the Dodgers and the Yankees, money wise, where would that have? Where would that take them right now? We we keep yeah. we keep automatically going. What we've been looking for is somebody. Omar Minaya couldn't do what what now now mind you, I mean the the it was still a hundred and forty million dollar payroll, but everything that he'd spent money on was improper. Um at the same time, it's like Sandy Alderson can do much more with a lower budget. And right now, he's back at Omar Minaya levels. So I think we need to calm well, I, down in, in a way, the idea in a, in that a we way. Need, he, in a way, he is, it, but mainly because yeah. of Johannes Cespedes. But we don't necessarily need to be pushing 180 right now. I agreed. No, agreed 100%. And one of those things is I, I trust Sandy's vision to find guys, again, like Addison Reed, who were able to, you know, Addison Reed was a closer. He was a closer with the White Sox. So it's not like he, he can't jump in and fill in the role should he need to. But he struggled. Sandy Alderson and his team scouted him they were able to see something they liked and they made the move to get him and guess what in the eighth inning he was if not the best close to the best eighth inning guy in in the entire entire major league baseball so i trust sandy's vision he also got instead of going in that wild card game but you know go on well (laughs) but exactly but again it wasn't it wasn't his fault so 
I trust him to instead of going out and spending four, you know, sixty million, fifty-five million, whatever, or four years, use that money to sign two or three guys who maybe, maybe if if he signs two or three guys, right, and one or two out of those ends up being a gem like what Addison Reed was, it's going to be completely and totally worth it. Like you, you know, you're going to have a stronger bullpen without going and not only maximizing and you know screwing yourself over for the future by signing a four-year deal for a closer because again more than likely even if familia gets suspended he's going to be coming back he's still young he still has talent the kid can still learn and do even better so there's no need to plug up a hole that is only going to be there temporarily let's also be honest that if addison reed is lights out at that point and there's no need to make a move Yuris Familia has been there before. We had to deal with this mm-hmm. with with the uh, uh, Yuris uh, um, uh, uh, Jesus Henry Henry Mejia, excuse me. Um, so I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal if you just need to kind of work him back into the closer situation. I mean, Agreed. It, it's it's the Mets have been here. You remember Henry Mejia was supposed to be the closer day one. And then all of a sudden, Buddy Carlisle saved that game in 2015. <laughs> yeah. So you know we're we're talking about uh, you know we're we're talking about a flexible situation. One hundred percent. And again, I think he's going to be able to to find those key pieces. And at the same time, the fact that maybe he even has those key pieces in mind through either a trade or through signings that aren't. Um, as impactful, I guess you could say, or as, you know, eye-catching. I, I remember last year, it's still one of the happiest mistakes I've ever made in my life. I did not understand why the Mets signed as Drew Cabrera. I did not understand that move. To me, oh, I, it made I, I, absolutely... It, well, to me, it made no sense. And I could not be happier about how absolutely wrong I was. I love Neil Walker. That trade was a no-brainer. But as Drew Cabrera, I could not understand it. And it was... A brilliant move. He just did a two-run home, two home run off the, the Cubs uh, at around minute 20 out of 44. So it's just funny how these things keep popping up while we're talking about them here on the podcast. Oh, I wish I, I... I'm not even watching, by the way. Whoever thinks that you know, I might be watching, and that's why I'm queuing up these... It, it's a pure coincidence, so... No, but that's literally, what I'm saying. So you were I talking, you were like, those. I love the fact that his real career is a Met, and boom, he's going <laughs> to go home run off the Cubbies. Okay, you want a better idea then? Give me it. Okay, I'll go for David Robinson with Bruce. Trade Grandison for mid-tire prospect, whatever. Then go out and sign Dexter Fowler. Ooh. Hey, people are you know, talking I, about I can't, it. I, I, can't even, I can't even be mad at that. People are talking about Dexter Fowler. People are talking about... about the Mets being flexible enough with whatever they're about to put together to be able to sign Dexter Fowler, who just watched R- Rene Rivera hit a home run over the, uh, the Eminem, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying, guys, I'm just saying something about this 2016 home run barrage is queuing up with this Johannes Cespedes podcast. It's, uh, it's just fate, everybody. It's, it's rising out the report fate. Yes. I am, no, there's uh, a couple. Of, there's a couple of good outfielders too. That you know, there was a report uh, earlier uh, today, I believe, um, or was it yesterday about JD Martinez being also uh, a fallback option. option. You know, for for Sandy, I think he's been he's been hitting the ball well the last couple of seasons too. So 
again, it's not. It would not be unheard of to have them move these two pieces, have them move Granderson, have them move Bruce, and you know, bring in somebody. So you're saying you they know, move could, both of their veteran well. outfielders, and and it's funny. I don't think they will. Anderson I don't think they will, and nor do I want them to. But if they do, if they do, I could see, I could see where it would make sense to do it. Right. I, I don't think they will, though. I well, think it's either making, Bruce or Granderson. They're both making about. I mean, that that clears thirty million. Right. That's a lot of but money. But the problem is nobody's going to want to take on the Granderson's payroll. So yeah, for one year, you can probably like find a place to, for Granderson to go. And hopefully you trade him to the AL, where he can maybe DH Right. Although he's, think, uh, he's better instincts than any of their other DHs, I'm sure. Think about this, though. We signed Cespedes. We had him last year before we picked up Bruce. Our offense still sucked. So obviously we need something else. So well, foul right, is the way to go. That, that, and that's what that's what you're thinking—a better approach at the plate. Yeah, because you trade both you trade both Granderson and Bruce, you're getting an you know all or nothing type of type of, of situation. Right, but at the same out. time, at the same time, there haven't been many overlapping pieces, right? So if everybody's able to be healthy, you could potentially have a lineup where Neil Walker. Jay Bruce and David Wright are all in the same lineup. David Wright to times, Well, we'll nah, see about hey that. Man, hey, man, know. David Wright, like, just, he's still, a, he's still a beast. I was watching, and, and he, David Wright came up at some point in these home runs at the beginning, obviously. Uh, and I, I watched, he's just, <laughs> he's still a lot of fun to watch hit a home run. David Wright is still a lot Almost of fun definitely. watching play baseball, and we hope that we can watch more David Wright playing baseball. It was you know, and it, the, and if these, he's not and if he's not able to be there, we would have Reyes again, which, who just you know, hit a fucking you, home run. Excuse me. <laughs> or, <laughs> and, and, and they're like, damn it, damn it, man. I mean, like these these coincidences are. Oh, he hit his second home run because he hit two home runs in that game. Um, there you go. Uh, although the Mets lost it three to two, and that definitively. <laughs> Uh, ruined their chances of winning the division, but hey, I'm always looking on the bright side. I should do that anyway. And I'm also just, throw in like, throw in Jose Duda Reyes, as well. Yeah, go ahead. You know, th- you have you have you have Reyes. You have throw in throw in Duda, who I'm hoping can do a better job. You know, th- it would be nice for the Mets to also explore somewhere for the catcher in the catcher's position. Travis Darno, Sandy Allison, at some point in time is going to have to make a decision whether or not they stick with Darno. Oh, or God, if no. they look look to to go somewhere else, but you know, missing out on Luke Roy last year was huge, and so so what can they do? Can they trade an outfielder for a catcher somewhere? Is there somebody who has you know multiple catchers? So those are all the things that we, you know we got we got to take a look at. They're not done dealing, and even if they keep Just Bruce and Granderson, it's not. I, I still think our offense will be better next year because, first of all, everybody's going to be healthy. And hopefully, Bruce, if Bruce stays and he's able to get accustomed to City Field and to New York a little bit better, I think he'll have more success, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but I, I think they have their options. I don't think he's going to be here. They have their options uh, in front of them. Um, no, I don't think he's going to be there either. But you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think the uh, the Major League Baseball needs to figure out this collective bargaining agreement so everybody can 
get everything together. I think I think the you the Suspetus deal was an easy one to make uh, for for the Mets and for Suspetus, and everybody else right now is waiting for uh, the collective bargaining bargaining agreement to come together. So hopefully they can, you know, if they don't get it together, we're not having winter meetings, JT. Yeah, it's true. They can be a lot question. Who knows? What was that, Mike? May I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on a 26 man roster and a pay, uh, a cap, a salary cap of 150 million? No salary cap. I think Major League Baseball has proven that they don't need a salary cap because there has not been an unfair advantage. It's more there's more parity than ever before in Major League Baseball. Any 83 win team could randomly win the World Series one year. That can happen. And uh, I'm sorry, it did against our 2006 Mets. <laughs> so um, I don't think there's a need for parity. I, I think there's. We've discovered that while other French, other other sports might have uh, decided they needed one and it's worked out for them, there's nothing in baseball that has that has proven that there's a salary cap needed. JT, what do you think? No, and, and baseball is a completely different sport. That and, and that's one of the things. I mean, I automatically think about basketball. Now they have their salary cap. Football is football similar in, in a few ways too, but baseball, you have so many moving parts. It's such a long season, such a ridiculously long season. And salaries are also guaranteed. So it comes hand in hand. You know, you, you let owners be able to not have a max cap in, in terms of payroll because if a player that they sign to a contract ends up, you know, not being as good, the players want that money. So I think both the Major League Baseball, the owners, and the Players Association are fine not having a, a cap because it benefits both sides. You know, they can keep they can keep spending as much as they need, and the players can keep making as much as they want. They don't have to worry about that. So, I don't think that's going to end up happening. If anything, I could see the other sports go down and follow Major League Baseball's route because it's kind of you know it's kind of ridiculous that you have you know caps in certain certain cases, and then you add luxury tax and how much these teams pay. When they get over a certain amount, and that that kind of polices it well right now, exactly. because the Dodgers exactly. are trying to get under. Exactly. So I mean, I would hate to be a Marlins fan, just because of the you know stuff they've been put through. But at the same time, you know that's that's just how that's how it goes. I'm not even going to start with the Marlins fans. That's all I have to say. Specifically poor, with poor the Marlins fans. fans. Specifically with the fans, you don't you're not starting with the Marlins. You're starting with the fans, though. The funny thing is, I, I grew up in Miami, so I'm I'm a Heat and I'm a Dolphins fan. But hey, when I, we lived there, when I was when I was growing up, the Marlins didn't exist, and I'm so thankful the Marlins didn't exist because I would have ended up being a Marlins fan. You know what? But, uh, you know what? I actually have a Marlins history uh, in my uh, my my journey to eventual complete. New is that what you were family. converted to from? I mean, is no, that what you were converted I conv- from? I converted from the Yankees. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. I didn't know that about you, Sam. Yeah, there you go, Jake. Oh, oh, Sam. Oh, <laughs> I, that that was gut wrenching. I feel betrayed. For, for, first, first of all, it shouldn't be gut wrenching because I converted. So this is true. why are you making? Yeah, don't don't be pained about the fact that I used to be a Yankee. <laughs> be happy. Fan. I'm not a Yankee fan anymore. Uh, <laughs> like through and through. By the way, 
Um, You're like Matt Harvey, bro. It's okay. It's all good. Don't well, talk hey, about let's, that, dude. Like, Harvey, Harvey's not yet not a, a Yankee. Uh, <laughs> he was asked if he was a Yankee fan, and he said absolutely not. He was asked point blank about that. He said he's He'll, not a Yankee fan? I, I'm pretty sure he's He said he's not. Yeah, I, I will call up the interview. I will call up the interview for you. We, we'll, we'll post the link in the, uh, I, in, I in, in the article. I call Trump on it, though. I called Trump on it. Anyway, no, I, I don't want to get I'm into serious. political. No, but I don't want to get into political talk, but I think he's just <laughs> talking to the audience at the time. <laughs> uh, maybe. But he but said it, though, so he's saying. on the record. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> My money is Harvey's in AAA by the end of the season. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. I don't want to go. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. <laughs> Harvey's going to be fine. Harvey's going to be baller. He sucked last year. Yeah, he sucked because he was of that injured. shoulder issue. Uh, no, you don't know if the injury happened because of his mechanics that were messed up? No, 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 no. He, he, said, he, told, he told Nelson Figueroa he told Nelson Figueroa that he couldn't feel his fingers. There was a there were points in time where he literally could not feel his fingertips. Harvey's going to be fine. He, in, he has insecurity issues, as we all do, and he didn't want to admit that he was pitching because he had an issue. Since spring training. Which is stupid. It's stupid to do, but, you know, that it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it makes him more human. It makes yeah, him more human. Yeah, it does. He'll be anyway, Rene Rivera just hit a home run uh, when the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, slaughtered us in that one game. Anyway, um, oh. what was what was the point I was going to make? I was going to make about, uh, about um, was it Harvey? Um, whatever. Anyway, where are we on, on minutes? We're, we're we're getting to the the low uh, uh, the the closer to the end of this uh, of this podcast. Um, I, I'll I'll go to uh, I'll go to JT on, on this one next. Um, so let's say everything finally comes together. Apparently, uh, there are rumors out there about the CBA uh, that players don't understand the brevity of the situation. They don't understand that there actually could be work stoppage. Um, you know, that those are the rumors that there's just some players that don't understand. Like, they need a history lesson, basically. So what, 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 do, you think, what do you think about uh, the next few days leading up to potentially either the winter, the winter meetings or not the winter meetings? So the owners gave in to probably the biggest, um, the biggest clause that I guess you could say, which was the international draft. That's something they were really, really, really pushing. Um, they decided to skip that. That was probably the biggest, uh, from what I've read, the biggest argument in terms of just uh, between the two sides. What I could end up seeing happening, I mean, we have the deadline is on Thursday. So what I could see in, uh, see happening, and I wrote this uh, on the last art, on the article about the CBAs, I wouldn't be surprised if they just have a mutual extension just to be able to talk, just to be able to have the winter meetings happen next week. Right. And to be able to give themselves more time to just work everything out without having to, you know, press the trigger. Unfortunately, if that were to happen, the winter meetings might not be as exciting as people would hope. Because obviously, if there's no CBA, the, you know, people feel a little bit more uh, hesitant to, to, to sign, you know, based on terms that haven't been established. That obviously didn't stop Cespedes. <laughs> hasn't stopped John Jay, who just signed, uh, if I'm mistaken, with the Cubs. So hmm. maybe it has zero impact, but... Uh, that's that's one of the things that I could see happening if they're not able to get the CBA done in time. I don't think we're going to have a lockout. I don't think we're going to the winter meetings are going to get canceled. They either make a deal happen before the Thursday deadline or they extend the deadline to let the winter meetings happen as usual and you know hope to be able to 
I get an agreement in place after that. So that that's what I'm hoping. Obviously, we don't want a repeat of of the strike in '94. So let's well, let's right keep now, that in mind. Right now, it's sounding like if anything, there would be a lockout. Uh, yeah. Worst case scenario, the players wouldn't be striking, and and, and you know, it's it, it's funny to hear that you know these players. Uh, are slightly ignorant to the actual situation at hand to the point that you have to explain to them, hey, you might not be able to negotiate for a while. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, maybe something like that, maybe as they understand it, the, the brevity of the situation uh, will, because uh, so many players are probably going to be at the winter meetings or plan on being at the winter meetings, which is in Washington, D.C. this year, I believe. Um, uh, hopefully there can be a, a little bit more movement. Otherwise, the mutual agreement, I'm sure, will, will suffice for now. And uh, we'll see what we can get done. Uh, you know, we're at least, uh, I'm not sure what, uh, may, maybe trades can still get done. I guess I guess everything is up in the air. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, um, Mike, you're the youngest here. What, what, let, you know, since I, I haven't, we've just mentioned 94 and, and this and that. Do, do you have a, a complete understanding of of the union history with Major League Baseball? No, not really. Okay, JT, do you want to take that? Um, you know, one of the um, it, it, it's uh, I'm sorry, I, I was looking at I was looking at something at the same time while while we were talking, just, oh, yeah, just yeah. specifically talking about the CA. So, uh, one of one of the worries just in terms of, of a lockout is not only for the, for the season to just be completely and totally um, disband, which I think is the worst case scenario, but you know, you're not, you're not moving. Um, you're just not getting any, anything done. You're not going anywhere. You're stuck. Right. So if, as long as talks are moving forward, I think we, we don't really have to worry about that. And both sides seem to still be pretty, um, pretty willing to talk they haven't they haven't walked out of you know stormed out as they say and you know forget it you know we're gonna go on strike the, the stuff that they're discussing is relatively uh, they're, they're close they're, they're close from the reports that you know these MLB insiders have put out so whether or not that's one of the things that you know that we should trust and go on then I'm, I'm hopeful again I'm hopeful that we have something done on Thursday and I was just reading a couple of the comments that uh, Ken Rosenthal had made about that and, um, again, you know, it's just, it, it, they just need, need to come to the table and need to be able to work things out and just get it done so we can start talking baseball again and get the hot stove started already. I mean, it's already started, but it'd be nice if it can heat up even more after the deal gets done. Well, this is what they should have always done. Obviously, when they placed a deadline in uh, August, uh, mm-hmm. they were thinking there'll be more pressure to get a deal done. Obviously, that was misguided. <laughs> because it just ended yeah. up being a, a leverage. And um, I think this is at least, like, if, if you see something in December, if, if that's the deadline, that's substantially... I feel much more confident that baseball will actually continue the way it is because that was devastating for them, and they knew that they could never do that again. And that's why now deadlines are Thursday, December 1st, instead of... Mm-hmm. Whatever date, whatever day of the week, August twelfth in nineteen ninety four, it was. Uh, that was just clearly used, and and at the time though, the players had a lot of of things. You know, there were a lot of owners that were still living pre uh, Marvin Miller, who was basically mm-hmm. the the head. I mean, 
the players were basically working class people, um, which, you know, with the amount of money that the owners were making, you could say they have qualms. And that's what ended up happening was the idea that they are worth the entertainment price, that, that, that the players need to have a balance with the money being made because otherwise they're being used like slaves. And the not and obviously they were getting paid, so it's not completely the same as slavery. But there were a lot of people that thought the way the the uh, uh, the it was basically they were on one year renewed contracts, which was called the reserve clause. So they were not there to negotiate with anybody else. And and the team, the one team, had the ability to either renew their contract or tell them they had to go back to their family farm and make a living that way. Um, and uh, things changed in the late 60s, and eventually there was a, a players' union, uh, um, and then million-dollar contracts started popping up, and owners, owners were very resentful of this uh, until 1994, where everything came to a head. I believe owners wanted a... a, a um, a salary cap, and the players did not, or something like that. I don't know the complete history, but I, I urge everybody out there to certainly go do some research and see uh, what you come up with regarding the owner and players. It, 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 that's one of the reasons why baseball is such an American sport, is because it not only represents everything great about this country, but it represents everything a little bit icky about this country, and it's a good representation of our history as told through, through uh, the clashes of culture, the clashes of of owners and versus versus the workers, it's it's a remarkable thing to study, and I, I urge everybody uh, uh, to go out there and uh, study this great game of baseball because you'll study this great this great country at the same time. Um, guys, I think we're uh, we're getting to the uh, tail end of our Johanna Cespedes special. So JT, I'll go to you for a last word. Um, it's been a great offseason so far. I mean, we've already, uh, we got Neil Walker qualifying offer. He's in the books already. Yoannis with this deal for four years, 110, 110 million is, you know, that's, that's pretty much exactly what he wanted. Uh, Sam, you and I, we were discussing before we got on the air, how this is pretty much the five year deal that he wanted. It just took two contracts to get it. So he's, um, he's going to be here. He's going to be happy. I'm, you know, I'm hoping he's able to stay healthy as well. And the rotation seems to be, you know, shaping up nicely. Harvey, there was a, a report that came out as well that he's he's doing better and he's on schedule for for his return. Um, so it's it's going to be a, a long off season. Unfortunately, we still have 124 days until opening day. But little by little, before you know it, the Super Bowl will be here. Pitchers and catchers will be reporting, and before you know it, spring training will be here as well. So uh, you know, just. Keep the faith, and let's go Mets. Hey, only one team right now in New York football is most likely to make the Super Bowl over the other. Let's go Giants! (laughs) I am a Jets fan, and obviously that is kind of, uh, you know, here here, the Jets, the general Jets cycle that so many Mets fans can relate to. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's it's very, very eerily similar. Weirdly enough, the Mets actually are better at it than the Jets are, and, and... uh, um, I, I viewed the Rex Ryan era kind of very similar to the Omar Minaya Willie Randolph era, and unfortunately the Jets haven't done a good job of getting out of that era. So 
Um, well, you know, no comment from there. Uh, Mike, what is your last word, Long Island Mike? Well, today I got an early birthday present, which is, which my birthday's on Friday. So once I found out Seth was assigned, I'm like, happy birthday to me. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was a bit happy about that. Uh, now let's go out sign Dexter Fowler. Uh, help this offense out. Uh, try, try to get a bullpen piece. And if you if the Mets can, try to get a catcher. I know Sandy has a few tricks up his sleeve. He always does. You'd have to include so, TDA. Let's see if he can pull like a, a rabbit out of his hat, and let's see what he can come up with. My last word is going to be Jose Reyes. Uh, for, for some reason, I've been thinking a lot about him with Johannes Cespedes because, uh, you know, today, just because they really hit it off. They seem to really hit it off. And, um, there's something really comforting, uh, even though the circumstances are, are icky, uh, for how he came back here, but there's something very comforting that Jose Reyes is going to be here, not only for one more year, um, but I, personally think that the two sides are going to figure out a way to keep him a Met for the rest of his career. Um, I, I, he's very open to being the utility man he most likely is about to be, although obviously there's people that think David Wright's not going to stay healthy, so Jose Reyes is going to be fine for playing time. But uh, I, I think that his willingness, he wants to be a Met. He wants to be on this specific Mets team. And what a better time for Jose Reyes to come back uh, than for this current era of Mets baseball. I think that, um, again, it's unfortunate that this is the way that the Jose Reyes story has played out for the New York Mets, but there's something really comforting about the fact that Jose Reyes is back. Jose Reyes is going to be that bubbly, effervescent character that we want him to be as a New York Met, and, and he's here. He's back. He's he, he's making this great culture in that clubhouse with uh, Asdrubal Cabrera, uh, Neil Walker, Johannes Cespedes, and and all the likes. There's people. I one of the tweets I saw earlier about Johannes uh, Cespedes was that isn't it just awesome that there's players on the Mets that want to be a Met? There was a lot of times during these last years, especially at the tail end of the Omar Minaya era where there were players such as Ryan Church, who even when he helped the team win, seemed to not really appreciate the fact that he was helping the Mets win. And it, 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 just, it's, it is a really lovely thing that there's, there's not, only, not only for the Mets, but in this day and age, there's still players out there that are trying to make it work to be on that one particular team. And... You saw it kind of fade away with, with the with with the the nineties free agent element after the, the you know post nineteen ninety four as we were talking about earlier. Um, it there there was I think just this level of I don't want to necessarily call it greed, but there wasn't necessarily this loyalty. And and, and mind you, you kind of see it with with moments like Daniel Murphy. Uh, both on the Mets side and Daniel Murphy's side. I mean, Daniel Murphy wanted to stay a Met, but the Mets didn't want him. You see these moments of non-loyalty uh, that used to kind of be there, but then you have moments like Ioannis Cespedes and Jose Reyes that the loyalty is back. Jose Reyes, unfortunately, had to go non-loyal to eventually have some things fall apart in his life, and, and 
he realized what he was missing. Uh, or or, it's, or at, at least that's my uh, opinion about the way everything played out. Um, so I, I think that in this day and age, it's nice to see that, that personable element to it and see players that not only want to be here, but want to make this team better every day, day in, day out. You have, you have some great minds in that clubhouse, and they really seem to be coming together as a team. And uh, the 2016 squad, unfortunately, uh, couldn't get it going early enough to, I think, have everything play out the way we wanted it to. Uh, but you, you, it love, you know, it's, it, we're very, very lucky to still have a team that unfortunately uh, uh, went out early but that we can still be proud of. And I'm very proud of the 2016 New York Mets, and I'm happy that run they went on to even get there for that one game. That was a beautiful thing to watch, and it's, it's nice to have these good feelings about the Mets once more, and it's good to have Johannes Cespedes back. And guys, that's where we have to leave it. Uh, Mike, Long Island Mike, I'm glad you can join us tonight. No, thank you for having me. Absolutely. JT, it's been a while, and thank you. I'm glad you could uh, come on to the Johannes Cespedes special. Of course, it's a special occasion, so I had to be here for sure. Exactly. All right, guys, well, uh, we'll see you all next time. And as always, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.